I will speak to you in the name of the living God who was and is and is to come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I finished my first year of seminary many, many, many moons ago, during the first summer I had off, I had the great blessing and privilege of getting to spend two weeks in the Holy Land at St. George's College in the Holy City of Jerusalem. During my time there, I traveled all around Israel and Palestine to see, experience, and pray in those important holy sites in the life of Jesus and the early church. From our base at St. George's Anglican Cathedral in Jerusalem, we journeyed out to the shores of the Mediterranean Sea, north into the Galilee and on to the Lake of Tiberias, which is the modern name for the biblical Sea of Galilee. And from there, we visited places like Nazareth and Capernaum. We found the road to Emmaus and we went to Bethlehem, continuing eastward out into the Judean desert to the Dead Sea. It was in that final location, passing through the ancient city of Jericho towards the Jordan River and the Dead Sea, that I had my first real experience at what a desert environment is all about. As we follow the downward passage towards Qumran, that ancient location where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in caves over the course of the last century, the heat of that desert began to skyrocket upward and the desolate dry landscape became more and more harsh and barren all around us. Though it is often referred to in the Bible as we heard this morning as a wilderness, the deserts of Israel and Palestine look nothing like the green forested wilderness we have here in North America. In some portions of the Judean desert wilderness, only around three to four inches of rain fall per year and the dryness of the yellow khaki-colored dirt and rock reveals once and for all why John the Baptist had to wear soft robes of camel hair and why he was lucky to have found even a few insects to eat along with the liquid sap of whatever plant life he could find. For that is all the true desert of the biblical wilderness seems to provide on first glance. And I know some of you have your own experiences traveling through a true desert environment as well. We certainly have them here in the western portions of the United States, from the great Sonoran Desert in the state of Arizona to Death Valley and the Mojave Desert in California, to name just a few. And if you've ever been there and had that first experience of walking out into its dryness and its heat yourself, I bet you, too, received your own revelation of the sheer power contained in the desolate desert environment. For us human beings, it can immediately reveal to us the absolute dependency we have in the saving grace of God and God's creation in nature. I believe that requirement of dependency on God's saving grace is why so many of the saints we come across in both the Hebrew and the Christian scriptures found themselves called by God to go out into the desert. And this would be the same for many a saint afterwards in the early church who chose themselves to journey out into the desert to bring their physical life to its barest and most necessary of essentials and to push their body, minds, and spirits to an absolute singular focus on God and God alone. For Abraham, Moses, David, 
and the prophets to John the baptizer, the apostles, and Jesus himself, who immediately after his baptism by John in the Jordan went out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights to test the fullness of his humanity and to be tempted as we are by Satan himself. Our faith always includes desert experiences for the necessary purpose of building up our faith and reminding us what is of the utmost need and importance in human life. Of course, those who can make it through the desert to the other side always come out with a lot more strength. It is as if those who wander and journey through the desert and have the patience and endurance to persevere experience that greater richness of the desert blossoms and blooms when rains come. They are the disciples that the Scripture and the church continue to hold up for us to inspire, direct, and encourage all of us who follow Jesus in the deserts of our own life. And we all know as well we do not have to get on a plane and fly over to the Middle East or to the American West to have our own desert experiences. Certainly all of us have lived through desert moments in our day-to-day lives. Maybe you're living through one right now. Moments where it seemed that the much-needed rain of productivity and creativity is suddenly dried up, or the happiness and joy that once seemed to be plentiful for us is suddenly barren and desolate. Maybe it is this very season which brings so many of us to the deepest deserts of our mind and heart that is happening for some of us right now. And sometimes these desert moments can turn into wider, stretching seasons in the deserts in our lives, leading us farther into depression, despondency, or worse. In these dark periods in our life, we still know that if we could just find a break or if we could just kick our sadness, our discouragement, our hopelessness, things might be able to change. But just like the deserts of the physical world, the deserts of our spiritual and mental worlds can run longer and deeper in their dryness and barren times than some of us can stand. As much as the church encourages us to hold on through these deserts, that never means it's going to be easy. And for some of us, it could begin to feel almost impossible. That, brothers and sisters, is why our message on this third Sunday of the season of Advent, a Sunday known in most of the church as Gaudete Sunday, from the Latin word for rejoice, is so very, very important for all of us who are working to be spiritual travelers. For in these four weeks of Advent, in our preparation of the Christmas feast of the Nativity, the church always calls us again every year to walk a while in the heat and the barren spaces of the desert with John the Baptist. This third Sunday of Advent is here today to reassure us of the reason we are traveling through the desolation of this harder environment, which is the promise, hope, and joy that awaits for all of us who walk through and make it to the other side. It is meant to help us remember that even in the darkest desert moments in our personal lives, with Christ in front of us, Christ beside us, and Christ behind us, there will always be the rose-colored light to lighten our way to the new life and the resurrection that awaits us. We begin that much-needed message this morning with the great Advent prophet of the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah. 
He has been with us for telling the coming of the Lord over these past two weeks. And this morning, he reveals to us just what hope there is for those who struggle through the barrenness of the desert physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Isaiah writes this morning, The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. And Isaiah concludes this morning with this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Brothers and sisters, this is the hope and promise for those who wait for the Lord in that hard, hot place of the desert. Even as the dryness and the heat of the sadness and sorrow seems to overtake us, those who can find a way to hold on to Christ will feel the waters breaking forth and the joy of gladness waiting to be restored. It's not a question of will it come. It is simply a question of how long must we wait, O Lord. And in our second reading this morning from the letter of James, the writer adds to that message a call for us to have the patience to wait and to not give up. James writes, be patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts for the coming of the Lord is near. That image of a farmer waiting for the rains reminds me so much of the late rains that came to the deserts in Israel and the West Bank back in 2015 and made worldwide headlines. The unexpected storms in the winter months brought lush green hills to the otherwise yellow dirt and dust of the desert that I had once stood in myself. We brothers and sisters are encouraged to be like the farmer who works hard in the garden trying to wait patiently for that very kind of rainfall they know will come for their precious crop in the earth. Sometimes the rains arrive early, and sometimes the rains come late. The one thing that is not in question is whether or not they will come at all, for they are already near. For those of us who work to till the garden of the Lord, the rains are certainly coming and the joy and the gladness and resurrection they will bring without question will be restored. If when we struggle and long for their arrival, as the Apostle Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, we as Christians must not lose hope. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, Paul writes, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Joy and mercy is coming to us no matter how barren the desert feels. Even that wild man of the desert we've been talking about this last week, John the Baptist, this morning is finding himself in a mental and spiritual desert as he's locked away in a prison cell. John sends out a message to the one that he had first declared the Messiah and asked Jesus to tell him if really in the midst of all John is going through, Jesus is who he believed he was to be or should 
they wait for another. Friends, for those of us who have found ourselves in moments of sadness and depression, isn't that the very same question we might find ourselves sending up to God? God, are you the one who is coming to save us? Or should we give up and try to find someone else? Before I finish this morning, I want you to know that just like John the Baptist, we priests find ourselves lost in the deserts of our minds and spirits ourselves from time to time. Nine and a half years ago, brothers and sisters, I was that man. I was a priest who found myself lost in the desert of my own life. Nine and a half years ago, I had just gone through those tough and terrible storms of separation and divorce. I'd left my vocation as a priest, the only thing that I felt truly called to ever do. And I'd left my calling to serve here in Florida and went back home to Kentucky to try and find my own way through the deserts and the darkness myself. And once I got there, I found out that maybe it wasn't where I was meant to be in the first place. Nine and a half years ago, I was searching for ways to return to my calling, reaching out to every diocese that surrounded me up there in that part of the country, and every one of them told me that there was no churches available. And then in the height of my despair and discouragement, in the midst of the darkness, I decided to tuck my tail between my legs and call my old friend, Bob Griffith, who was the canon to the ordinary at that time in the Diocese of Florida. And immediately Bob told me he just might have a place for me. All I needed to do, he told me, was to be willing to trust God, to pack up everything and get back down here as quick as I could. Of course, that place was right here with all of you. And when I arrived here, it was as if the dark sky that had surrounded me that I thought I might not ever get out of broke open and I felt like the late rains I'd been praying for were finally falling upon me and the desert that I thought I was in the midst of turned to a vivid and wondrous green. For all these years since, those rains, I believe, have continued to fall. And I will forever carry their memory in my heart as God's assured promise to you and to me and to all of us who wait for the Lord that the waters can and will break forth in the worst of the deserts, that the precious crop we await will come in, and that the joy and gladness we long for will be restored as sorrow and sighing flee away. Jesus said to John the Baptist, lost in the desert of prison and in the prison of his own mind, to open his eyes and look out beyond himself into what he thought was a dry and arid desert all around him. Jesus said, go and tell John what you see and what you hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have good news brought to them. This, brothers and sisters, is the message of this Sunday in Advent. No matter what desert we think we're wandering into in our lives and no matter how dry and barren and lost we may feel, Jesus is already close to us. Christ has come. Christ is with us. Christ will come again. Amen.